It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. All right, folks. Uh, yeah, Rich is not here today, and so I'm just going to have a chance to talk to you about some things that I think you're going to find very, very interesting. Uh, ever since I was young, and that's a long time ago, as you know, I always thought we are, in fact, a nation of immigrants, of people from other countries all over the place, but we have rules, we have laws, and it must be done orderly. And so if you have a piece of property that your house is sitting on, you know how large that property is, and you may even put a fence around it. Anyway, it's your property, isn't it? And you decide who comes and who goes. And that's the way it should be. It always was when it came to our borders. Our borders are our national extremity lines. And people can come from other countries, but they must come according to the rules, according to the law. So it's done in a proper, orderly way. Well, from time to time, as America has prospered, and we want people to come and bring a skill and bring a desire to work and bring a desire to contribute. It hasn't always worked out the way ideally it should, but that's the way human life is, isn't it? So here now, listen to this, folks, is a Bill Clinton, uh, President Bill Clinton in 1995. Now just stop and think. This is 2020, so 1995 was a long time ago. And he is expressing what he thinks about our borders. And somebody that violates that, they are called illegal. Illegal immigrants. Not legal immigrants. Uh, illegal immigrants. This is what he said. Listen to this. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Um. Did you hear that? Did you hear that applause? That was in 1995, and may I remind you that Bill Clinton was a Democrat. So it isn't the party; it's how the politicians can shift and sway back and forth. But I do know that when you heard that, you would say, "Wow, I can't imagine." He was right on, and of course, you've got to maintain your borders. You've got to maintain the rule of law. If the speed limit is so-and-so, you're going to get a ticket, 
and you're going to be apprehended if you break the speed limit. How on else can you have an orderly society if that's not the case? Now I want to turn to a Supreme Court justice who has now served longer on the Supreme Court than any other justice on the court now. Justice Clarence Thomas. A good man. A good man. Why do I say that? Because he is. And the liberals hate him. Those who are trying to destroy our country hate him. It has nothing to do with his color. Of course not. It's what he believes and what motivates him. And this is what Clarence Thomas said now when he was speaking at Hillsdale College. You hear my son Rich uh, with spot announcements for Hillsdale College. And when Justice Clarence Thomas was speaking at Hillsdale College, I want you to turn your radio up and then you will know more about the man that the Democrats and the liberals hate today. Here it is. When life is difficult and seems pointless, we need a safe haven where we can escape from the storm and find solace. Chapels provide that setting. They invite us to draw near to God and to elevate our thoughts, to seek his wisdom, to lay down our burdens at the foot of the cross, and to find that peace that surpasses all understanding. For here we know we are standing on holy ground. In the words of a popular gospel hymn, when I walked through the door, I sensed his presence, and I knew this was a place where love abounds, for this is a temple. The God we love abides here. Oh, we are standing in his presence on holy ground. This calls to mind Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. When she came to the tabernacle to pray, she was barren but longed for a child. The Bible describes her as deeply depressed, a woman troubled in spirit who was experiencing great anxiety and vexation and weeping bitterly. But Hannah poured out her soul before the Lord at the tabernacle. And after a time of prayer and speaking with the priests, her face was no longer sad. She came to the tabernacle in anguish. She left at peace. Hannah's story reminds me of a young woman I saw some years ago in the church I attend near the court. I notice her crying, her shoulders jerking rhythmically as she sobbed heavily. We happened to leave the church at the same time, and as we did, I asked her if she was okay. Her face streaked with mascara. She answered in a quiet, peaceful voice, I am now. Whatever burden that woman was carrying when she entered the church, she did not leave with it. In the words of the letter to the Hebrews, she drew near to the throne of grace, and she did so in a church building. I have no doubt that many will enter here burdened, and like Hannah and the young woman, leave unburdened and at peace. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I humbly offer my own story that is similar. Like Hannah, my life was changed through prayer at a time of, at a place of worship. Although I was raised Catholic and even spent four years in the seminary, 
In my early adult years, I became greatly disillusioned with the church and made the mistake of angrily storming away, impetuousness of youth. Throughout law school and the early years of my career, I was self-reliant, so I thought, and gave little attention to God. But not long after I joined President Reagan's administration, I was in the midst of one of the darkest periods of my life. I was in my 30s, running a federal agency under significant public scrutiny and criticism. I had little money, I was raising my young son, and I was grieving the loss of the two most important people in my life, my grandparents. Life seemed hopeless and felt like I had nowhere to turn. In the midst of this hardship and grief, God drew me back to the church, and he used a church building to do it. It was during this period, seemingly bereft of hope, that I began to make daily visits to local churches to pray for wisdom and courage, as well as strength and guidance. Unlike the tumultuous world around me, the church building provided a place of peace, a sanctuary from the turmoils of my life. Within those walls, with God's help and grace, I was able to elevate my thoughts beyond my circumstances and self-absorption and set my mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, as St. Paul wrote in the letter to the Colossians. God used these times of prayer and meditation to rekindle the flame of faith in my life. I am a changed man today, and God began that transformation in a holy place, a sanctuary much like this chapel where I could temporarily leave behind the onslaught of life's difficulties and bring my troubles before the Lord. God used this renewed faith to sustain me and my wife through my confirmation hearings, and we continue to rely daily on the grace he gives us. But there's nothing unique about this in our lives. For many people, chapels and churches have served as beacons of hope, physical reminders of our need for God and his grace. And the presence of a chapel on a college camp is particularly important. In fact, in this age of popular iconoclasm, building a chapel on a college campus is all but verboten. The college years require young people to make decisions that will affect the rest of their lives. They are exposed to new ideas, new relationships, new distractions, and new temptations. They need a place where they can go to be relieved of their troubles and get their bearing as so much comes at them so fast. By building this chapel, Hillsdale College has provided that space where students can come to discern God's calling, to pray through difficult times, and to praise God for his faithfulness. In short, Hillsdale College has recognized the importance of equipping students, not only intellectually, but also spiritually, for the many challenges of life in college and beyond. Although a chapel is a place for many activities, it also serves as a statement, 
about the importance of those activities. The construction of a college chapel, in particular, is a public declaration that faith and reason are mutually reinforcing. And in 2019, the construction of a chapel is a bold act of leadership at a crucial time in our nation's history. So I would like to briefly underscore the broader significance of the decision that Hillsdale College has made in building Christ Chapel. Beginning in the early 1900s, many elite private colleges and universities began to face questions about the continuing relevance of religious instruction on campus. These questions would have surprised the founders of those schools, many of which were created in part for the express purpose of providing religious instruction. But as time went on and schools moved away from their religious roots, the relevance of religion to higher education was increasingly questioned, and campus chapels in particular came to be viewed as relics of a bygone era. With the completion of Christ Chapel, Hillsdale College has staked out its position in this debate, and its decision serves as an example for all of us. The construction of so grand a chapel in 2019 does not happen by accident or as an afterthought. Christ Chapel reflects the college's conviction that a vibrant intellectual environment and a strong democratic society are fostered, not hindered, by a recognition of the divine. Hillsdale College affirms with the writer of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. By constructing this chapel, the college upholds the continued importance of its Christian roots even as it respects the rights of each person to worship God according to the dictates of his own conscience. Our country was founded on the view that a correct understanding of the nature of God and the human person is critical to preserving the liberty that we so enjoy. John Adams wrote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. He recognized that the preservation of liberty is not guaranteed. Without the guardrails supplied by religious conviction, popular sovereignty can devolve into mob rule, unmoored from any conception of objective truth. As I think about our political culture today, I am reminded of Ronald Reagan's warning that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have, we have known, is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them to do the same. Each generation is responsible to both itself and to succeeding generations for preserving and promoting the blessings of liberty. Faith in God, more than anything else, fuels the strength of character and self-discipline necessary to ably discharge that responsibility. That is why I am so encouraged by the construction of Christ Chapel. 
Hillsdale College's Articles of Association affirm that inestimable blessings flow from the prevalence of civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety in the land. The college was founded on the belief that the diffusion of sound learning is essential to the perpetuity of these blessings. Thus, Hillsdale College was founded on the understanding that the battle to preserve and promote freedom in our country will be waged in the hearts and minds of the people. Rather than shrinking from the battle, Hillsdale is rising to the occasion by investing in the intellectual and spiritual development of its students so they can provide God-honoring leadership in our country. Let it be said of them what was said of David, that he served the counsel of God in his own generation. Students, faculty, administrators, and friends of Hillsdale, let this chapel be more than just an impressive building. Let it be a place where people enter the presence of a majestic God. Let it be a house of worship, of prayer, of meditation, and of celebration before God. Let it be a haven of rest for the weary, a place of healing for the wounded, a place of comfort for the grieving, and a source of hope for the despairing and the forgotten. Let it point to a day when the dwelling of God will be with men, when God himself will wipe away every tear and mend every wound. Let it be a place where tomorrow's leaders discern their callings and grow firm in their convictions. Let it stand as a bold declaration to a watching world that faith and learning are rightly understood as complements and that both are essential to the preservation of the blessings of liberty. Above all, let this chapel equip and inspire us to honor God in whatever he calls us to do. For as St. Paul wrote in the letter to the Romans, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. May God bless each of you. May God bless Hillsdale. And may God bless this wonderful country. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and I'll tell you, the applause, the applause went on and on. Now, folks, that was, that was Justice Clarence Thomas speaking at Hillsdale College. Earlier, we heard Bill Clinton, of all people, you see, Bill Clinton talking about the importance of maintaining a strong border to keep out illegal trespassers, illegal immigrants. But now you know what? we uh, Here's someone to tell us what the real problem is. We have a spiritual battle in America. I want to tell the people in Kansas, if you don't know how important this election coming up in just a few days is, you need to find out. Because this bill uh, loved them both. Love them both, the mother and the child. If you don't know and you live in Kansas what it's all about, you better find out. You better wake up and spill the coffee because the time is running out. Now, here is Billy Graham, Billy Graham to tell us what he thinks our problem really is. Here it is. The 10th chapter of 2 Corinthians, beginning with the third verse. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, we are engaged in a warfare. If you're a Christian, you are engaged in a warfare. Not a basketball court, not a playground, 
not a football stadium, but you're engaged in a battlefield. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The Apostle Paul said, I'm going to use some weapons that will be new to you, but they're going to pull down the devil's strongholds. And these are spiritual weapons, the Word of God and prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he said, we're casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. A person who is living in the Spirit, every thought that he has should be in obedience to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now thoughts are powerful to harm us and powerful to help us. The Bible says, as a person thinketh, so is it. How do you think? What goes through your mind? What do you think about when you're alone? Someone has said plain living and high thinking are no more. One of the most important things in our lives is who's going to control our minds? Proverbs 16:32 says, he that ruleth his mind is greater than he that taketh a city. Means to rule the thought of your mind. You spend a great deal of time alone, many of you do. So your mind is your only companion. What do you think about? What do you talk to your mind about? That's your only companion, is your mind, for many of you. Isaiah the prophet said, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Do you keep your mind on Christ? And if you get your mind off Christ and you get it on some things you shouldn't be thinking about, do you pray, Lord, forgive me and help me to get my mind back on Christ? I do many times. Now, the Bible says, first of all, that the mind, your mind, is at enmity against God. Your mind does not want to do anything about God to start with. In Romans 8, 7, it says, the carnal mind or the fleshly mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians in the first chapter and said that until they had come to the world, come to Christ, they were alienated and enemies in their mind. Enemies of God, alienated from God, separated from God in your mind. And your mind was a part of that decision. Such a mind will not obey the law of God. It, commit, it submits to sin. It minds the things of the flesh. The Bible warns against having that kind of carnal, fleshly mind. That mind that is dominated by the devil or by selfishness. And then the mind is not only enmity against God, but it's also a blinded mind. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 says, In whom the God of this world, that's the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. He has power. He has supernatural power to blind your mind. And you let him. You have to let him. And if you let him, he can blind your minds. I cannot account for the apparent veil that hangs over the hearts of some people. Many people very close to the kingdom of God. Many people surrounded by a believing family. I know a young man right now surrounded by a believing family, reared in the church, reared for God. 
he heard the blessing said that at the table at every meal and today he's way out in left field on drugs sex all the rest of it blinded by the god of this world they're led captive to the will of satan and many people tell me i don't understand i've heard this all my life i've tried to believe but i cannot they're blinded and the only person that can open your eyes to the truth is the holy spirit and you must ask him to come and open your eyes supernaturally which he will do tonight before you leave here if you will allow him yes your mind is at enmity with god your mind is blinded but then there's the doubtful mind the bible talks about in luke 12 jesus said neither be ye of doubtful mind the bible warns against the double-minded person james says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and this carries with it the idea of a person who wishes to secure both worlds you want one foot in heaven and one foot in the pleasures of this life and you cannot you've got to go one way or the other so there are many of you that are torn between your sinful pleasures and appetites and your desire for heaven and you know that you can't have both and you've got to make a choice jesus said there are two roads in life there's the broad road that leads to destruction there's the narrow road that leads to eternal life and there's a narrow gate and that gate is the cross and it's all going to be decided on what you do about christ have you repented of your sins are you sure of it you can do it tonight there you have it folks we do have at the basis at the seat of all of our problems we have in America a spiritual problem. And we've tried to kind of give you a little exhortation here from various people who would imagine Bill Clinton saying, we need to have a strong border. That was said in 1995. And then Justice Clarence Thomas speaking the way he did. And then finishing it up with Billy Graham. And he says the whole problem we face right now is a spiritual problem. Now listen, folks, the phone number, and we'd love to hear from you, is 1-800-345-2621. 1-800-345-2621. Uh, call us, uh, email us, whatever you do, and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. This is Dick Bott with this chapter of The Complete Story as a public service. We'll see you later. We'll see you later. 